You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. for that um as y'all know for people who've been listening if this isn't your first time this is a political podcast right is focused and centered on politics um as a black person i have a special type of relationship with politics i'm i personally feel uh politics in america they affect black people differently um we always we don't we don't always look at it through the best lens. Um, there's a lot that happens that affects our community, um, and it happens at a federal level, state level, local level, all those things, right? So my goal with the podcast is to, you know, break down what's happening across the country in these different states, give you my opinion on why it's happening. Um, what we can do about it, how it, you know, may personally affect us and, you know, just, just, just kind of give you a, the, the one take one position of, of one black man in America. Um, I never try to speak for everybody or anything like that. With that being said, while this is a political podcast, um, the, the central focus and my main overarching goal is to talk about things that affect the black community. And for me, you know, I like to end the podcast on a good note um, with some with some good news. I call it showing some love to black people just just out here doing extraordinary things. Right. They're not always celebrities. They're not always famous. But I always like ending on a positive note. Today, I'm going to start by showing love and y'all going to have to bear with me um, because I'm going to I'm going to speak until I'm done. I'm, I'm going to have a conversation about DMX and I'm going to talk about him until I've said everything that I need to say. And. I know there's a lot of stuff to talk about. There's the Matt Gates situation. There's the border crisis situation. There's the infrastructure bill. Biden's 
is coming up on 100 days in office. I get that there's a lot of political stuff to talk about today. I'll get to whatever it is I can get to. And if I don't get to any of it, well, you know, we got we got some other stuff to talk about later. But for me, it was important to be honest with myself about how I was feeling and how I was going to do this pod epic this this pod episode. Like I said, I'm a few days late. Normally, I record on Wednesday and Thursday and we upload on Friday. It's Sunday. It's been you know, 3 days since we got word that DMX had passed away. Um it's been a little bit over a week since we originally got word that he had had a heart attack and you know was in the hospital there was some conflicting reports at first at at one point they were saying that um you know he was lying in a vegetative state and you know there was no brain activity then there was the report that he had gotten better we later learned that you know um that that wasn't true it was some it was some misinformation and knowing that um it really fucked me up i can't I, I mean, I really can't put it any way. It really, it really fucked me up knowing that, you know, he had had a heart attack and there was no brain activity. Um, you know, I, I don't like to say a person was brain dead, but the, the, the brain wasn't functioning. It, it had gone too long without oxygen. Um, so they, they weren't getting any readings in the hospital. And knowing that... Um, you know, you, you hope and you pray for a miracle. You, you hope and you pray that, you know, somehow this, this person who at one point in time was larger than life, you know, they, they come through that, you know, that's the type of stuff that happens to, to normal people, to regular folks, you know, um, superstars, icons, you know, things like that aren't supposed to happen. Um, to, to, to people of that stature. And I remember saying that once before um, when talking about Kobe passing, when talking about Chadwick passing, we, we never think that we're going to lose the people who shaped, you know, our formative years, right? You never think you're, you're ever going to lose the, the, the people who were your childhood heroes so knowing that he had had a heart attack and was lying in this you know hospital bed for five days or, or six days I believe um, you don't you don't want to think about you don't want to to allow yourself to 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 have the thought of what you know to be inevitable right um when you when you hear that someone is that bad off you you know what's coming right you you know what's next um but i spent every day last week hoping that that news never came you know it was it was one of those situations where it was like no news is good news maybe the longer i avoid it the less real that this becomes but 
we all kind of we all we all knew how this was going to end and to say it's heartbreaking is an understatement i don't i don't know that it really does it justice um before i get into my personal feelings about it i just want to say prayers and condolences to the earl simmons family to you know all of his friends his fans all the people that knew him um people that felt like they knew him the people that enjoyed his music his art um just enjoyed him as a person um x was one of those people where even if you didn't know him personally you felt like you knew him because x gave the world all of him flaws and all you know he gave us him and he shared himself with us in ways that most superstars don't let's just be honest most superstars when you reach that level of success when you 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 know you are an are an, a, an a icon a living legend you know you you tend to keep the personal parts of yourself to yourself right once you get off stage um that stage persona that superstar identity you leave that there and you go home and you become whomever right you you become the person that the, the piece of yourself that you keep to yourself to not lose yourself and all of the bullshit i mean celebrity culture <laughs> i can't even say in america just period celebrity culture is one of those it's one of those things where it's fucked up and it can eat you alive right i mean we've seen celebrities we've, we've seen them self-medicate um we've we've seen them harm themselves we've we've seen them go go to great lengths just to get away from or escape being trapped by their fame right um so for a person like dmx to be this huge mega star and and if you if you're under the impression that dmx was not a superstar you're sadly mistaken right you're just flat out wrong um and later on i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about how big of a star he really was because i i feel like as we went on in life and you know, he got older and he became less mainstream. People forgot that there was a time and place where DMX was the number one rated uh, superstar in the world. Like there was X and then there was everybody else. I mean, that man single handedly saved Def Jam and Def Jam is the most iconic rap label in history. And DMX single handedly saved that record company. Um, you know, arguably Jay-Z is the biggest thing in hip hop, right? Because of his longevity, his consistency. But there was a time where DMX was bigger than Jay. There was a time where, you know, there there was arguments about who who's the best rapper dmx or jay like who's running rap right now and dmx got a strong resume 
So I don't want I don't want it to get lost. I don't want people to forget how big of a superstar this guy really was. Because even with all of that superstar bullshit surrounding him, X was a regular dude. I mean, he was he was a regular dude. When they did the verses last summer with him and Snoop, it was so good to see him in that space getting all of that love from from the fans and the people and if you know, hindsight is always 2020, right? And you always want to get back the moments that you realize or that you didn't realize at the time would be some of the last that you have with a person. Um, the DMX and Snoop versus was one of my favorites because <laughs> Snoop calls himself Uncle Snoop, right? He's, he's everybody in rap's uncle. In a lot of ways, DMX is the same thing. Like you can look at DMX and be like, I got an uncle just like that. You know, DMX was everybody's, everybody's fun loving uncle. The one that your mama didn't want you hanging around because he cussed too much, told you inappropriate stories, probably let you do shit that you ain't had no business doing. That was DMX. That was the reason, you know, we all loved him. He was just a good, genuine dude. And, you know, since his passing, I've seen all types of pictures and videos and stories about this man that just it it lets you know how appreciated he was across such a broad spectrum right you know um being from new york being a child of the 90s and growing up um watching hip-hop grow and expand you know i want dmx to to belong to me i'm I have friends that feel the same way, like DMX is, is ours. We were there at the beginning. We were like, who was who this on the 4321 um, track? You know, we remember where we were when Get At Me Dog dropped. You know, we wanted to be old enough to go to the tunnel and have these experiences that he was talking about, right? But when you look across the internet, you see that DMX touched lives all over, not just for us kids growing up, um, you know, grow, growing up in the in the projects in New York, not just for, um, you know, the college kids at the universities he touched, but middle middle America. Like there, I saw this um, this one post, this lady in Iowa um, posted about her mom and her mom was in a picture with DMX at um at a goodwill what the hell is dmx doing at a goodwill store in iowa you know what i mean there was a post um a young man made about the time dmx stopped at a waffle house after after one of his shows in some some city down south i think it might have been alabama or something i don't know but uh showed up at a waffle house four o'clock in the morning get some food and, you know, the workers is fans and shit. DMX takes the mop from the dude who's working to mop the floor. This is DMX at the height of his stardom, right? 
Everywhere he go, he recognizable. He mopping floors at Waffle House at four in the morning. He's at IHOP late one night getting some food. He in the back having folks teach him how to make the omelets. You know, there there was just story after story about random um random occurrences happen to happen to uh you know come across DMX at some point and him just stopping to, to, to talk to kids, talk to fans ten, fifteen minutes at a time. What other superstar do you know would do something like that? What other person at like the height of their stardom, you know, at a time when they're one of the biggest celebrities in the world is just going to sit and chop it up with a fan? You know, DMX took pictures with everybody. I, I know it's it's probably impossible that he could have taken you know, every picture that was asked of him, but some of these photos that are being put up of DMX and these just random ass people. And, and <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And a few of them, he don't look like he really want to be taking that picture, but he did it anyway. He did it anyway. That's the way that he, he, he gave himself to the people. He let the people see him. He let the people touch him. And, Honestly speaking, even though it's truly sad that he passed, I'm very proud um, and I'm happy for him to see all of the love that he's getting all across, um, you know, the world, not just from celebrities that knew him and, you know, like really, really knew him, got to rhyme with him, got to you know, do shows with him, stuff like that. Not just from those people, just from the regular folks, you know. Sometimes when celebrities pass, we just see them in a bunch of pictures with their celebrity friends at these celebrity events. But the majority of the pictures that I've seen of X have been random, you know, random pop-ups at places, restaurants, malls. I mean, fucking Goodwill, you know, standing on a corner in Philly. He's surrounded by a group of people. Somebody driving by like, oh, shit, that's X. They put on his music. He rapping on the corner with folks. You know what I mean? Like just 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 random acts of kindness. As much as we loved DMX, the rapper, DMX, the musician, DMX, the artist, you know, it was a lot to love about DMX, the person just because of how he carried himself, just because of the fact that he gave the people access to him, right? You know, and he wasn't shy about sharing his story, telling telling us about all it was that got him to to where it is he where it is he's at. Um and and for me, you know, I know it's it's commonplace for for when a person passes, you know, everybody is rest in peace, this and you know, rest in power that. Um, but truly, if nobody else, if nobody else deserves to rest in peace, DMX does. Um, just hearing and, and having heard and knowing some of the stories about how it was he, he had to grow up, you know, how it was he had to, to deal with his, you know, addictions. He, he called them demons, but you know, he didn't, he didn't run from any of that, right? He didn't, he didn't hide from any of that. He was 
he was secure self he was secure in himself to know secure enough in himself to know that all of those things the good and the bad was a part of his story all of those things is what made up and contributed to the person that the world loved and he he refused to hide from any of that i saw someone had posted that dmx made it cool to to be vulnerable because he didn't hide from his shortcomings and he didn't try to hide them from us right he he didn't he 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 put that pain and that suffering into his music and then you know in interviews he would talk about it you know i i can't i can't imagine what it's like for a 14 year old to be to be smoking weed and to have your blunt laced with crack from the dude that you look up to the dude that you call your mentor so now you walking around for the rest of your life with an addiction because somebody set you up somebody that you trusted somebody that you 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 kept in high regard because you looked up to them and for the rest of his life he fought these addictions and don't get me wrong he fought he didn't always um you know when when the battle so to speak you know there were times he had to go to rehab there were there were times where he had to reset and restart but he fought like hell so if don't nobody else deserve peace dmx does and i'm not even and, and i haven't even gotten to the 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 life he had to have been living to make it so that a 14 year old needs to to smoke weed to 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 get away from that shit i remember um watching backstage is one of my favorite documentaries and irv Gotti was talking about how you know one time his his family dropped him off at this place um you know it was like you like it here and and just kind of left him it was like some some boarding school for boys or something like that and you know just just dropped them off and left them that <laughs> those were the type of things that led to the person whom it was that we we grew to love and just even knowing about that story you know what i mean like what 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 person do you know who was as big as X was shared, you know, their faults, their hu their hu their humanity like that. Those those are the things that we as people try to hide from others, right? We don't want people seeing us at our worst. We don't want people knowing, you know, what it was we had to do to get here. The majority of us couldn't take that type of judgment. But he wore that every day. He got up every day and, you know, never allowed 
his circumstance or the stuff it was that he had to go through to define him. He, he defined himself on his own terms, in his own way, using his own voice. Man, it's just, it's so many lessons um, that we can learn from, from DMX's life. There's so many things that we can take away, um, you know, from, from what he shared with us and what it is that he, he showed us. Um, so to hear that at, at 50 years old, a person like that passes away. That's that's rough, man. That's rough. I was like fourteen or fifteen, first time I heard a DMX song, and the energy that he brought to every track. You know that that just. That 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 rough that that gruffness that you know whatever it is you're going through I'm going through it too so let's just go through this shit together type situation right you know what I mean um, you know as a as a high school kid trying to find his way in a world that don't love him you know X spoke to to a lot of us. Um, you know, and, and he helped create the soundtrack to to our youth. And he's gone at 50. That's nuts. That's nuts. Oh, before before I forget, while I'm while I'm here, I know that I said that DMX was one of the biggest superstars in the world. And a lot of people aren't going to believe that. But. I'm telling you this. If if you if you got on an X track back in the day, or if you invited X to be on your record, you had better brought your A game. Because DMX was known for embarrassing folks on their own joint. Go back and listen to 4321. I know it gets a lot of um I know <laughs> First of all, that joint got spitters on it, right? Like superstar. Everybody on that track was a superstar at the time, except for cannabis and and DMX, because he he was new. You know, to us he was new. He was known, you know, around the industry and everything like that. But to us he was new. But you got Method Man, Red Man, LL Cool J. Like at this time, those those three they they legends. That was when LL Cool J told us he was the greatest of all time. At that point, he like, what, 15 years in? Go back and listen to that track and listen to how DMX stole the show. Go back and listen to 24 Hours to Live. Listen to how DMX stole the show. Money, power, respect. Listen to how DMX stole the show. Go back and listen to Money, Cash, Hoes. And at this point, Hoes done sold $5 million. Jay-Z sold 5 million with volume 2. But go back and listen to Money Cash Hoes. As dope as that song was, and don't get me don't get me wrong, I ain't taking nothing away from Jay cuz that's Jay's probably my favorite favorite rapper. 
But go back and listen to Money Cash Holes. The lines you remember, they came from DMX's verse. If, I'm tell you, if you put DMX on your track back then, you was asking for trouble. Um, I'll never forget in 1999, I moved to Virginia. I was going to 11th grade. First of all, let me just tell you, going, moving to a whole new state, let alone a new school, but a whole new state in the middle of high school, that shit is tough. That shit is tough. And back then, I mean, New York and Virginia were worlds different. I mean, they still probably are now, but. You know, for me, 16 years old, that shit was a world of difference. And I didn't want to do it. But, you know, shit happens. You don't got no control over that. But I got through 11th grade because DMX put out an album that year. And then Rough Riders put out an album that year. And I felt like I was home. Like, I'll never forget that 1999, I got through it because of DMX. So, for me, my favorite X album um, will always be and then there was X because I have I have memories and emotions attached to that album because of what I was going through at the time but that's his third album his third album he sold 5 million records 1998 he put out two joints six months apart his first album was released May 12, 98 sold 4.8 million his second album was, was released December of that year. Three and a half million. And then his third album comes out a year later. Five million. I mean, come on. Go go back and check the stats of your favorite rapper. They don't got stats that great. I'm telling you, they don't got stats that great. No rapper has ever had an 18-month run like that. From May of 98 to December of 99. Two joints. One one did sell 5 million. The other one was real close to 5 million. And then another 3.5 million. Def Jam owes that man. Because from 98 to 99, 2000 or so. <laughs> DMX kept the lights on. If they made their bonuses, it was because of X. DMX and, and, and Jay-Z kept the building, kept kept the lights on for, for Def Jam. But for X to do what he did, dropping the two number one albums in the same year, then coming back the very next year with a number one album, we ain't never seen no shit like that before. Not in rap music. Mind you, we still getting over the murders of Tupac and Biggie. You know, we, we're still recovering from that. Puffy came in and he had the shiny suit era and everybody's dancing and everything like that. But there was still a lot of pain there that was bubbling under the surface. X tapped into that. X tapped into that pain and he spoke for us. He, he said all of the things that a lot of folks were feeling and going through, but didn't know how to say. So when you when you see people. You know, you see grown man crying. There was a um, there was a post about Dragon who, who was 
you know, ex's protege, um, you know, he was, he was trying to give a message on IG and just broke down crying. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. They know exactly what he going through and where he coming from. Just, just, just because that's how X touched people. I asked a couple people the other day, um, how come black men don't get don't don't live to be old? It's not a rhetorical question. If you if you know the answer to that or you can help me answer that question, please contact me because I'm struggling with how come black men don't get to be old. Um and to provide you with a little context on the same day that DMX died, uh, Prince, uh, something or another, one of them princes, the George, the hu- the husband of the queen, that one, Philip, Prince Philip. Sorry, I couldn't think of his name. Prince Philip died as well. He was ninety nine years old. Um. When you when you when you think about celebrities, um, for some reason, black men don't get to stick around as long as other celebrities sometimes, and that bothers me. I don't I don't understand it on an on an intellectual level, maybe, but you know the the part of me that wants to see my my heroes and the the people that I admired, the part of me that wants to see them grow old and, you know, become granddads and, you know, be able to be celebrated the way we celebrated Earth, Wind and Fire and the Isley Brothers a couple weeks ago. I, I want that for um, I, I want that for the people that I looked up to as well. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I love the Earth, Wind and Fire. I love the Isley Brothers and everything. I mean, iconic, but those were my parents and my grandparents. Those, those were their folks, you know, when you young, you don't got control of the radio. You listening to what your mama listening to, you know, or you, you hear what she put on when she wake up on Saturday morning to clean up and everything. So that's how you get exposed to that music. But your folks, the ones that speak to you as a youth, you know, the older I get, I want to, I want to see them be able to to grow old and be celebrated and you know have the gray hair and the gray beard and everything out here walking with a cane looking like Ronald Isley just cool as hell you know I want I want that for for the people that I grew up with you know but we don't we don't seem to get that and I don't I don't know why it, 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 when I think about this last year we lost we lost DMX recently he was 50 years old last summer we lost Chadwick he was 43 we lost Kobe he was 41 when Michael Jackson died he was 50 when Prince passed he was 57 and it's 
It's fucked up. It's fucked up. Because, and I don't want to hear about that. Oh, that's what drugs would do to you and not taking care of your body and drinking and all that shit. Because fucking Ozzy Osbourne's still walking around here last I checked. You know, it's a it's a lot of it's it's a, it's a lot of old white men that used to be rock and roll stars that, you know, woke up in the seventies having cocaine for breakfast. They still kicking it. They still alive and kicking. It's just it's it's fucked up that we don't get to see the people that we admire. Um, and, and, and that's, before I go on, don't, I'm not saying that Ozzy Osbourne should be dead. I'm I'm not wishing that on anybody. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that I would like to live in a world where the black men and women who wrote the soundtrack to my childhood got to live to become um, you know, grandparents, elderly, things, things of that nature, the, the same way, that's all. That's all I'm saying. I just, I want that for them. I want that for us, right? I, I want them to be celebrated um, and, and not, I, I, don't, I don't want us mourning them in their 40s and 50s. Like, I don't, I don't care what nobody say. Like, if if you've ever been touched by a person's art, you know, because don't don't get me wrong. DMX is going to be around forever. He, he left us um, timeless music. You know, he he left us cult classic movies. You know, he's he's always going to be here, but you you want the. It's, it's, it's selfish, I know, but you, you want the person here in the physical as well so you can, you know, give them their flowers. But it's, it's tough when you think about how you've been positively impacted by a person and then you, you, you have to see that person pass on. That's tough. Because music is, you know, a universal language. You know, even if you meet a person and you guys can't communicate because y'all don't speak the same language, you put on a record that both of y'all know and you bond over stuff like that. It's, it's, it's been a tough week, man. It has, it has been a tough week and I was a little... I was a little hesitant to um, to talk about it because sometimes for, for some reason when things like this happen, you know, people like to get real stupid and talk about how that person ain't know you. You ain't know them personally. You know, why do y'all treat, you know, celebrities better than y'all treat people that y'all actually know? My response is, because ain't none of my friends or family wrote, go get at me, dog. 
You know, you go write party up and I'll do a show about you too. I'm just kidding. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of, sort of. The truth of the matter is we use music, movies, television as an escape, right? We use, we use these art forms as a way to escape our reality, as a, as a way to get away from the shit that we've got to deal with on a day-to-day basis, the bullshit that makes life tough. Be it someone in your family, be it your job, be it school, you know, whatever the case may be, the neighborhood bully, you know, the ex you can't get over, the girl you might like. You know, we, we use art and um, as, as a way to escape the shit that drags us down every day. So while you may not know that person personally, like you may have never hung out with that person, that person knows you because their music speaks to you. Their movies, you know, you identify with that shit. You see yourself in them. So that's why it's hard for people who have, um, who have been fans of these folks when, when they pass on, because there's a connection there. Escapism is real. You know, one of the most powerful things, anybody remember when you used to make mix CDs, right? You just used to, Take all of your favorite songs, download them, and put them on the CD. You fucking put that CD in your radio and your stereo and just listen to that shit all day. There's a reason why folks got favorite songs. There's a reason why people listen to the same song over and over and over again. There's a reason why every time you walked in a store and you saw an album that you ain't seen in a while, you buy that shit. Even if you've bought it three or four times before. Music makes us feel. Makes us feel alive. Makes us feel happy. Sometimes it makes us feel sad. But all of those things are good. That 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 connection to the artist, that connection to the song is important to us. So so give folks a little bit of a little bit of grace when they're when their favorite or one of their favorite artists may pass. You don't know what it was that they went through or you don't know what it was that that artist may have helped them get through. Have y'all listened to some of the prayers on DMX's albums? You can't tell me those prayers ain't saved some lives. I know that they have. I know that they have. You can't tell me some of them songs haven't made people think twice about their situation. Think twice about whether or not they want to go out, you know, and do that dumb thing they was planning on doing. 
Think twice about whether or not they may or may not want to cut this person off or, you know, go hang out with this new person. Like, come on. Come on. Let's not let's let's not pretend that we don't sometimes live vicariously through the works of others because we do. We all do it. So anytime y'all, you know, get on social media or you talking to your friend or family member, whatever the case may be, and you trying to figure out why they so torn up over this stranger dying, they're probably not a stranger. They may be a stranger to you, but that person knows them. That person feels them. There was a connection there. And we got to stop minimizing that. We got to stop minimizing that. It's 24 hours in a day. Sometimes you need a little bit of DMX to get through through one of them hours. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the art form is. There is a human connection to art. Be it music, movies, television, whatever the case may be. It connects us. It, we, we identify with it. We, we see ourselves in these people, in these works. And we got to stop pretending that that's not real because it is. And yeah, you may love your friends. You love your family, of course. But you don't want to hear them niggas sing to you when you're having a bad day. You don't want them pulling out the mic and dropping 16 for you. You don't want that shit. So we just, we just, we just got to be mindful that we all going through life, doing the best that we can, trying to figure this shit out as we go, because there's no manual. There's nothing that can tell us what to do step by step whenever it is we're faced with something. There's, there's, there's a guidebook. Yeah, sure. But. There's no manual and there's nothing to make the decisions for you. Sometimes you got to go get in your car, put your favorite joint on and drive around for an hour until you, you know, work through some shit. So I spent 45 minutes on, on, on DMX showing them love. And I don't care. I could, I could probably go for another 15 minutes. Honestly. Because that's just, that's, that's, that's just how important I felt this topic was. That's how important I felt it was to give that man the respect and the love that he has earned. Because that's what he gave to everybody else. So this week I'm showing mad love, mad love to DMX better known as Earl Simmons, Dark Man X, you know, the dog of all dogs, man. We're going to miss you X for real. But I'm glad that you got to experience and you got to see how much people appreciate and love and enjoy your work. Um, when you did that, that versus with Snoop. Um, but you know, I'm a big proponent of sometimes what's best for the person 
isn't necessarily what the masses want. And with all that you had to go through in life, I hope now you're at you're you're at a you're at a place of peace. Cause if don't nobody else deserve it, you do, man. For real. Um before I go, I'm gonna talk a little bit of politics shit. Cause it's a lot. It's it's a lot happening. I don't wanna rush through anything. But there's 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 one thing that's just been on my mind real heavy um the past few weeks. And the media, Republicans, they've y'all so full of shit, man. Like for real. Y'all y'all are just full of shit. You know, for four years the media played scared of Donald Trump. They wouldn't challenge him, they wouldn't push him, they was fucking scared. But he was good for ratings, and every day they talked about this motherfucker. Now, suddenly, Biden isn't giving you, you know, tweets and fucking sound bites every day. So you call yourselves, you know, being tough on the Biden administration because of your lackluster uh, coverage of the Trump administration. And they've been pointing, they've been pointing out this lack of bipartisanship on the part of the Biden administration. And the only reason they're pointing it out is because Republicans are pointing it out. Um, there's a, there's a lack of bipartisanship in the white house. Now, what's the best way to put this? Um, shut the fuck up. How about that? Shut the fuck up. Because then nobody give a damn about bipartisanship was Trump was out here acting a fool. When he was out here passing fucking tax cuts for the wealthy, for businesses, you know, for old rich families. When he was out here profiting off of being president. When his fucking family and kids, they was out here profiting off of him being president. There wasn't no bipartisan shit. You know, now we, we're we in a fucking pandemic, right? We're, we're in a fucking pandemic and we need a stimulus. You, you, you knew this going in. People have been home for a year. People are getting evicted. Landlords aren't getting no rent money. Folks is getting cut off of food stamps and shit because the government didn't do a good job of taking care of its people. And there's a whole conversation to have about that. And we're going to have that conversation. But I'm going to gloss over it just for a little bit. But I just want to point out the government didn't do a good job of taking care of its people during the pandemic. So Biden gets in office. He, he Look, we need to pass a fucking stimulus package. There's a million things we need to do. and We can't do a million things, but fuck, let's do 15 and this is how much it's going to cost. There was not one Republican to vote for the stimulus package in either the House or the Senate. Now, their constituents are going to benefit from it because the Democrats decided to go it alone after Republicans in the name of bipartisanship offered up a third of what Biden wanted along with the economist who told us that we needed to be bold and act quickly. They offered up a third 
of the money that that Biden was calling for. Why? Because suddenly they give a fuck about fiscal responsibility. There's going to be a conversation ahead about that as well. Today's just not the day for it. But suddenly Republicans care about fiscal responsibility. They didn't give a shit about fiscal responsibility back when they was passing fucking tax cuts. If you don't know, taxes are the way the country raises revenue to pay for shit. Now, there are some things that the country is going to continue to pay for, regardless of how much revenue it's raised. We will continue to pay for the military at this amount, no matter what. The rest of that shit, y'all gotta figure it out. But the country runs off of taxpayer dollars. And when you bring in fewer taxpayer dollars, that means there's less money to do other shit with, right? And I would have no problem with fiscal responsibility if the Republicans' answer wasn't always... We need to cut Social Security, we need to cut Medicaid, we need to cut food stamps, we need to cut, um, you know, Head Start, we need to cut this, we need to cut that. It's always, the only time they need to cut shit is when it affects poor people. When it affects people that are not doing as well as some of the others. That's when they want to cut shit. They don't ever want to cut the stuff that, you know, may or may not have that big of a difference. Like, let's, let's, let's just say, for example, let's, let's just throw out this number. What if we cut maybe a quarter of the military budget? I don't have the numbers in front of me about what the military budget is because I'm a little bit away from my point right now, but I'll get that because, like I said, this is a conversation I have. I want to talk about it. But that would give us a whole lot of money to do some other shit. But no, because they don't ever want to cut the military budget. In fact, because they want to grow and expand the military budget, budget when they bring in less revenue, these cuts that they always want come from the shit that affects poor people. Why is that? Do Republicans hate poor people? Well, the answer to that is simple. Yes, they do. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps with your broke ass. That's how they feel. So because Biden said, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to screw poor people. I'm not going to screw the people that need the help. So get down or lay down. Y'all either going to get on board with my plan or I'm going to go in without you. They didn't get on board. So he went in without you, without them. And they passed the stimulus package. Passed the stimulus package. Biden said, come on, we're going to go around. We're going to show everybody how we passed the stimulus package, what's in it for them and make sure they know how to get their money. Then he went right back to work. He said, next up, we got an infrastructure package. We need to fix some shit in this country. How many people got shit in their house right now that need to get fixed, but they ain't fixed it because you don't got the money to fix it right now? Raise your hand. Don't don't, don't be shy. You, you amongst friends and family here. Raise your hand. How many people right now got shit in their house that they need to fix, but can't fix it because they don't got the money to do so? Raise your hand. I see you. I see you back there in the back. I see you. Listen, have you, have you, have you been on the highway lately? Right over a bridge anytime in the last week or two? I know. When's the last time you've been to the airport? 
Been on a plane. Anybody rode the train in a while? And we got any train riders here? Amtrak, maybe. I mean, if you live in a big city, what what the MTA looking like? The United States has infrastructure problems. Roads, bridges, crumbling, collapsing. Remember a few years ago? It was a while ago now. But remember that bridge in Minnesota that just fell the fuck down? Joe Biden said, hey, look, we've got a bunch of people that's not working right now. Bunch of people can't find no work. Manufacturing jobs are gone. You know, construction is slowed down because of the pandemic. I know. We got a bunch of roads that need to be fixed. We got a bunch of bridges that we need not collapsing into the waters that they span over. How about we put together an infrastructure bill where there's money to fix the roads, fix the bridges, fix the train tracks, give to the states to fix the shit that they need fixing. Matter of fact, what else we'll do? We'll fix, um, we'll give some money to HUD so they can fix these low-income houses and apartments and, you know, shit that's just crumbling, looks like it's falling apart. Let's fix that shit, right? And as a result of us wanting to fix all of that shit, it's a bunch of people that's not working that's now going to get put back to work. It's going to cost a little bit of money, though. How much is it going to cost, Joe? $2.2 trillion. Damn. We ain't got it. Fuck you mean we ain't got it? We ain't got it, Joe. I ain't, I ain't got it. We the fucking government. We got it. Joe, where the money going to come from? Oh, I know. How about we raise the corporate tax rate that you reduce from 35% to 21%? If we raise it to 28%, we'll have the money. In 15 years, it should have paid for itself. Nah, Joe, we can't raise taxes. Why the fuck not? We the government. We lowered them bitches. Let's raise them back up. We need the money. We need to fix this shit. We need to get these people back to work. Let's raise the money by taxing the businesses that benefit from this fucking crumbling ass infrastructure. Maybe it'll make them more money. Maybe it'll make them more efficient. But no, Republicans don't want to do that because they are against raising taxes unless it's your taxes. And when I mean yo, I'm speaking to the people who make less than $100,000 a year. Actually, it's more than that, but yeah, you you make less than $100,000 a year. Your taxes will be going up over the next few years. And if you don't believe me, go look at your tax return from this year compared to two years ago. And then two years from now, go and look at your tax return and then come back and listen to this podcast so you can go ahead and tell me that I was right. See what Donald Trump did when he gave out his tax breaks, the tax breaks that um, go into the rich and to the corporations are being paid for by the raising of the taxes of lower and middle class people. If you don't believe me, go look it up. It's right there. 
I'm, you don't got to take my word for it. Look it up. It is there. It's in black and white. Your taxes will be going up slowly but surely, surely over the next few years. So Biden says, look, I'm not even going to have the repeal fight with y'all right now, but I do think that's coming. I, I do think that there is going to be conversations of a repeal of the Trump tax cuts. But he said, let's we, let's not have that fight right now. Let's raise the corporate tax rate. Let's close the loopholes that allow corporations to go offshore or put their money offshore to avoid U.S. taxes. And then we raise the money that way. And then we fix our crumbling infrastructure. Republicans are against it. So. Let's talk bipartisanship. Because that's what this conversation was about. And I, I want to bring you back around full circle. How can we have bipartisan conversation if anytime something is proposed, the answer is no. Republicans don't want to negotiate. They don't want to find a middle ground. The answer is no, we'll give you this or you get nothing. And I'm going to commend the president for saying, all right, well, fuck y'all, then I'll do it myself. Because if we learned nothing from the Obama years, then we know that the GOP ain't going to give up shit. They're not looking to give up power. They're not looking to give no Democrat a win. And if Biden can get this infrastructure plan passed as is at the price point that he has suggested, that's another win for Biden. And when you start having these wins, these multiple wins, they translate into votes at the ballot box. It's going to be real hard for the GOP to say, hey, look at the failure of the Biden administration when people got new jobs, when the infrastructure is being rebuilt, when the fucking pandemic has been controlled and is ceasing and all of those things. And we'll talk more pandemic stuff later, too. Speaking of pandemic, though, I got my got my second vaccination shot and my fucking arm still hurts, man. Damn. I don't want that to scare anybody though. If you if you want to fence about getting the vaccination, I'm gonna have um I'm gonna have some information about that. I'm gonna have that conversation because I do think people should get vaccinated. Um, but I also understand the hesitancy of some folks. But we should have that conversation as a community. But the pandemic's under control. People are going back to work. The economy is recovering. Infrastructure is being rebuilt. These are wins for Biden and the Democrats. And if they win too much, you know, these new Republican laws that's making it hard for people to vote won't matter because Democrats will continue to win. It's why, why replace them if they're doing a good job? And, and, and so far, Got to give it to the Biden administration. They're doing a good job. Does that mean they're doing a great job? Mm, probably not. There, th- there, there are some things I think they can improve on. Nothing's perfect. I don't have that expectation. But so far, under the circumstances, I believe they're doing a good job. And if they're doing a good job at the 
expense of bipartisanship? Well, fuck bipartisanship. How about that? Because, see, Republicans like to negotiate with a gun to your head. And I can respect that Biden is saying, no, I'm not going to do that. You either come to the table and we're going to sit down and we're going to craft something that everybody can agree on. Or I'm going to just go about doing it my way because I'm not going to let you continue to harm the American people. That's where he stands right now, it seems like to me. And if bipartisanship has to be. Well, the fucking scapegoat, well then, like I said, fuck bipartisanship. If you're not willing to come to the table and negotiate in good faith, then we'll go it without you. And that's what he's telling to Republicans right now. And for some reason, the media doesn't fucking understand, and I don't know why. How do you not understand that the Biden administration not, essentially not playing these fucking partisan politics is because the GOP refuses to meet them in the middle. See, if you keep going over towards them, you get further and further away from the middle, which is why they're so fucking far right now. It's why the majority of Republicans believe that the 2020 election was a sham. It's why the majority of Republicans believe that Donald Trump really won and was cheated out of the presidency. Because we allow them to paint the narrative regardless of whether or not they're telling the truth. And we got to stop that shit. We, we've just got to stop that shit. And if that means the Democrats got to figure out a way to do it by themselves, great. If it means that, you know, they got to pick off one or two Republicans to get some stuff done. Well, that's what it is. Joe Manchin, get your shit together. I ain't going to come on this podcast and say your name too many more times before you and I like really have a conversation. Like I might try and call your office or something and record it and just put you on blast or something, but get your shit together. He gave an interview talking about the fucking insurrection on January 6th is what made him want to, you know, get back to bipartisan politics and shit like that. Listen, when, 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 when Obama was sworn in in January 20, January 2009 and Mitch McConnell sat in a room with a bunch of other Republicans and said that their goal was to make him a one-term president, that's when bipartisanship died. That was the day bipartisanship died. The GOP has been sabotaging the Democrats ever since. And if you don't believe me, go back and look that shit up because it's right there. It's right there in black and white. They have been sabotaging the Democrats ever since President Obama was elected. So if nothing else, Joe Biden learned that, hey, I'm going to extend the olive branch, but I'm not going to hold that motherfucker until you burn it. Because he saw what happened with his predecessor. And I don't mean Trump, I mean Obama. He saw what happened when Obama tried to invite them to the table. Remember that time Obama and Boehner got together and they had a budget deal and they Republicans blew that shit up because they didn't want to give Obama a win. They blew it up to the point where the speaker for their party resigned because they was like, they're fucking going too far right. I, I, I can't be down with that shit. So, I know there was a lot of talk about, 
you know, Biden being a bipartisan president and being a president for everybody and all of that stuff. But if the GOP won't get on board, if they want to play hardboard, fuck them, Biden. Do what you got to do because, trust me, they're not going to give you no chances. They're not going to give you no chances. They're not going to give you no inches. You're going to have to take everything you want. You, they, they, they're not going to give it to you. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to fight for it. And if this is what that looks like and you continue to get shit done, then you go. You will continue to get a kudos from me. If you continue to fight, even if you don't win, you'll continue to get a kudos from me because I can at least respect the fact that you went down swinging. But don't roll over. So if this is what your presidency is going to look like over the next four years and, you know, this is what you got to do. Hey, I'm all game. Lead the way. All right, y'all. We're going to end it right here. Um, trust me, when I say it's a lot to talk about, I'm going to get back to that Gates thing. Um, and if you don't know, Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida who was Team Trump and, you know, supporting the insurrection, has been accused of sex trafficking. And I feel like that's a discussion we need to have. We, we need to have that discussion. Um, because the GOP likes to take the moral high road on a lot of their positions. And I have trouble understanding how you can do that when you potentially have someone sex trafficking. Like what's this is, this is okay. This is acceptable. Hmm. All right. Um, you know, Texas is, is coming out with their own voter suppression law. Uh, the Derek Chauvin trial is going on in Minneapolis. It is not the George Floyd trial. Trial is the Derek Chauvin trial. He is the one on trial. He is where the focus needs to be. That is not the George Floyd trial media. That is former officer, murderer, killer Derek Chauvin on trial. And we'll have a conversation about that too. Um, I'm not watching the trial. I'm getting recaps from one of my lawyer buddies. And I may have him come on and, 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 and talk about that. We'll see what this verdict looks like, though, because I'm not going to expose myself or you guys to black trauma for the sake of black trauma. But I do think that is a conversation that we need to have. There's so much happening um, legally there. And a lot of people just don't understand it. So it would be cool to have someone break it down. Um, but I don't want that to have to be me. So we'll see. I'll, I'll look into that. Um, but in the meantime, man, this was a tough show. I hope not to have to have one like this for a long while. DMX, we miss you. Y'all go stream some DMX, man. That, that, that man got some hits. You know, DMX got some hits. He, he got a song for every move, every move. He got a song. Um, so y'all y'all go stream some DMX, you know, hug your loved ones, and just just keep living, man. It's gonna it's gonna be times like this. It's gonna be days where this shit feels real hard, you know. We gotta deal with stuff we never thought we'd have to deal with, but we gonna make it through. So till next time, y'all have a good one. Be easy, peace. Quality, quality. Sweet, sweet.